You are listening to the Progress Your Health Podcast, Episode 49. Welcome to the Progress Your Health Podcast with your hosts, Dr. Robert Mackey and Dr. Valerie Davidson, a husband and wife team who specialize in bioidentical hormone replacement therapy and functional medicine. They're here to help you lose weight, balance hormones, and age gracefully. It's their mission to motivate, educate, and empower you to take your health to the next level. And now your hosts, hormone experts, Dr. Mackey and Dr. Davidson. Hello, everyone. Thank you for joining us for another episode of the Progressive Health Podcast. I'm Dr. Mackey. And I'm Dr. Davidson. Uh, so on the last episode, we actually answered a um, a reader's question, uh, Nina, regarding, you know, actually it was regarding a lot of things. It was testosterone pellets, it was thyroid, it was progesterone, it was uh, estrogen is kind of the full Monty. Uh, this one, we're going to talk about adrenal function in an article that you wrote. Yes. So thank you, Jamie, for reaching out and writing us a question. We thought it would be applicable to all the other listeners and, um, you know, because we really love the question and I really had a great time writing the article. So the question in in respect to the article was, I wrote an article on basically your cortisol diurnal curve throughout the 24-hour period. So our adrenals release cortisol throughout its highest in the morning. It comes down slower, slower, slower in the afternoon, and then it comes down at night so we can sleep all night. But in a lot of people with adrenal fatigue is they will have like a reverse diurnal curve or their cortisol is going all over the place. So we um, kind of, you know, to make it easy read, and like I said, it was really fun to write this article, we named them the vampire, the ghost, and there's actually two types of ghosts, and a zombie. So in a perfect world, like I said, the cortisol is high in the morning, you're bright-eyed, bushy-tailed, you wake up, you get going, you hit the ground running, and you run all day, and then that, you know, that cortisol comes down, and then it's down at night, and then we go to sleep. But in the vampire, it's a little bit opposite. That cortisol does not come up in the morning, which is why they press snooze all the time. I've had patients tell me they have a relationship with their snooze button because they can't wake up in the morning. And then when it comes nighttime, when they were tired all day and they said, oh, I can't wait to go to bed tonight. They can't go to bed because they actually feel really good. So we named named that person the vampire. And that's a really common one. And then there's the ghost where there's actually two types of ghost is you um, fall asleep, but you can't stay asleep. That's the ghost. So there's two types, one that falls asleep really hard for about three hours. And then they're up for about two hours in the middle of the night. We called them a ghost because they're roaming the halls and they're playing on their iPhones and they're reading a book and they're writing their to-do list. And of course, by the time they do, do get tired, it's time to wake up. So they fall asleep and then they have to wake up for the day. So that was one ghost. And then the other ghost is um, the other type wakes up all night long. So they fall asleep for a good, you know, two and a half, three hours. And then they're just up every 45 minutes. Wake up, look at the clock, go back to sleep. Wake up, look at the clock, go back to sleep. And then there was the zombie. That was where, so with the ghost, that means that their cortisol is coming up all night long. With the vampire, it means that their cortisol is low in the morning like I think Jamie is, and then it comes up in the evening time. And then there's the poor zombie where they don't get any cortisol really being secreted at all. They're just tired all day, all night. Those are the people that sleep 12 hours at night. They could take a nap if they want to. They're always tired. So that's the zombie. So that was a little bit of that article. <laughs> yeah. So let me read the question. Uh, that way it gives a little bit of background and you know context, and we're going to kind of uh, you know dive a little deeper into that. Uh, Hello, I'm almost 41-year-old female, and I just read an article about cortisol levels, vampire, ghost, and zombie that you wrote, and I'm curious to know more. 
I think that I'm like the vampire the most, but not exactly. I had a saliva test done recently, and the results said that my levels were extremely low in the morning and then went normal around noon, but then by four to five, they were dropping again. My doctor put me on progesterone because my estrogen to testosterone ratio was pretty severe, a high estrogen, low testosterone. Although I take them at night uh, because they make me extremely tired, I can't um, but feel the struggle even more in the morning now. Will DHEA help or anything? Question mark. Uh, thanks, Jamie. So this one was really good because it is talking about her cortisol dionic curve, which is what she was referring to as the saliva test. So testing your cortisol by blood really isn't the greatest test to find out where your cortisol levels are at. It's great if you got Cushing's or Addison's disease, but that's a whole different ballpark. But in terms of actually testing your cortisol, because like we had mentioned, it changes throughout the 24-hour period, is you do a saliva test where you collect your saliva, yes, the spit, throughout the day, and then they te- the, the lab will test it, and they will tell you where your levels of cortisol are throughout the day. So this is a really interesting question about Jamie because she has really low cortisol in the morning, which would be like the vampire, hard to get up. They drink lots of coffee. By the time they do feel like an actual human, it's like, you know, 11 to 1 in the afternoon. And then what was also really cool about Jamie's question is it, as we always talk about, is, you know, our bodies are not, you know, just little compartmentalizations of different symptoms. We all work together in one holistic process is there it is with her adrenals are also affecting her hormones. That's why she has such low testosterone. Testosterone is not a reproductive hormone for us girls. It's a reproductive hormone for the men because they have doohickeys and gadgets that make lots and lots of it. For us gals, it's testosterone really is more of a, an adrenal hormone. So The DHEA, as Jamie had mentioned, the DHEA might might be low. We make DHEA from the adrenal glands, and then that converts to testosterone. So if your DHEA is off or you're not converting it over to testosterone very well, then you're going to have low levels of testosterone. So definitely it looks like there's an adrenal issue going on that's reflecting in her reproductive or also her estrogen and progesterone levels as well. Yeah. And, you know, you mentioned doing a cortisol test, a saliva cortisol test, which can be an extra test, an extra expense. We like to look at DHA levels or DHA sulfate specifically uh, to kind of get an idea or make an inference from the DHA looking at what their overall, you know, kind of uh, adrenal uh situation might be. A reference range for, uh, granted it is age adjusted, right? So for a, just for women in general, let's say in their, you know, 25, it goes up to like uh, 266 or 288, uh, like 40 to 288, something like that. 70 to 288. Uh, And then as you get older, that reference range decreases. For a menopausal woman, it'll be, uh, you know, 30 to 188. We like to see that number usually above 100. You want that number for a menstruating female, you want that number to be high, but not too high. So somewhere between, let's say 100 to 150. I would bet because she kind of identifies with the vampire that her DHEA sulfate level is probably less than, way less than 100, probably less than 75. It could be even less than 50 um, because she's, you know, so, so tired. Uh, so for, for whatever reason, she's probably had, and I'm sure you would agree she, in the past, she's probably had a significant stressor of some sort um, that is kind of, you know, creating some of this diurnal curve, which I would say the diurnal curve, tell me if you would disagree that the diurnal curve the reverse diurnal curve, low cortisol in the morning, high cortisol at night, is probably one of the most common issues in the United States. It is really common, uh, but you do see 
probably more in like perimenopause females, the ghost waking up in the middle of the night. Not as much for men, but you know, waking up in the middle of the night is getting to be more common. The zombies with low cortisol, that's like years of intense adrenal you know, stress to really drop those levels to where they don't have a spike. I mean, you still make cortisol. If you don't make cortisol, you're not going to be alive, but you're just making them at such a low level when you're a zombie. So definitely with Jamie, I would say she she does seem like um, you know, like a vampire, not quite the classic, because they tend to want to stay up pretty late and they're the ones that like want to talk and get things done. They do laundry at night and they're doing their emails and they're playing on the internet. So she could be definitely a vampire. So I would say if you were going to work on some kind of treatment for her, we would do all the testing, you know, like her doctor did, testing her estrogen. Now she's a 41-year-old female or almost 41. So every day is going to be different for her in terms of where her estrogen levels are. So with a female that's menstruating, you either want to test it on day 12, which is when your levels of estrogen are the highest, or you test it on day 21, which is when your levels of progesterone are the highest if you're going to do a blood test. So I would say with Jamie is, you know, testing appropriately to find out if she truly does have high estrogen. The testosterone levels are pretty accurate throughout the 28-day cycle, so she probably does have low testosterone. Like Dr. Mackey said, is checking her DHEA sulfate would be important to see how much, you know, for the adrenal glands. And also um, checking the pregnenolone, I think, would be a really great thing for Jamie. Yeah, right. Uh, And I would bet, you know, because she says in there that her estrogen-testosterone ratio is off, I don't think that her estrogen is high, right, in a 41-year-old female. I think really that her testosterone is really low, probably less than 10, uh, maybe less than 15, uh, you know, single digits, um, which again, for you and I, we look at that as being an adrenal issue. So that makes the ratio kind of off a little bit. We don't really look at those ratios very much. But when you see a low DHEA under 100, you see a single digit testosterone, you know that person's under lots of stress or was under lots of stress. And them kind of you know fitting that design, the, the vampire profile would totally make sense because their adrenals have been taxed. They don't really have the, they don't really have the tank anymore, so to speak, to keep them going during the day. So yeah, definitely the pregnenolone. Uh, pregnenolone is a hormone that comes from the adrenal glands, just like DHEA. And I kind of consider pregnenolone more like the queen of the adrenals because that helps balance cortisol. And it also helps balance progesterone, where the DHEA is a little bit more like the king of the adrenals because that's what converts over to testosterone and it's more like a male androgen. So definitely doing the pregnenolone would be important because if you have low pregnenolone, that means that you have high cortisol. Right. When you're talking about pregnenolone, there is kind of a you know a pathway, if you want to call it that, called the pregnenolone steel. Uh, your doctor, she mentions in there that a doctor gave her progesterone, which giving progesterone for a woman in her 40s is really having an impact on the adrenal glands, even though progesterone is a reproductive hormone. Because what, end, what ends up happening under uh, intense, long stress, either intense stress or long-term stress, or possibly both, uh, is that the body, as you mentioned a few minutes ago, that the body will try to maintain cortisol as much as possible. It will divert everything, all the energy towards keeping cortisol. And it goes, literally, if you look at a, ster- a steroid cascade on a you know, on a flow chart, it'll go, the body will divert attention um, directly from pregnenolone right into cortisol. And then that you know kind of sacrifices progesterone. So women, not only is their progesterone levels declining anyways, but if they're under lots of stress now, they have even less progesterone because their body is trying to maintain that cortisol. And you know as well as I do, we work with enough women in their 40s, they're all stressed out. 
right? Job, family, kids, work, you know, whatever. They got a million things going on. They're pushed and pulled in a million directions. They can't sleep very well. They got, you know, lots of responsibility and, you know, those numbers just tend to plummet over time. So I'd say for Jamie, like, like, which I'm glad she did that saliva test because she does have low cortisol throughout the morning, but then it comes up around, it looks like the afternoon. It's probably coming up in the middle, you know, probably between, you know, 10, 11, 12, 1, 2, 3, and then it's really dropping. She probably gets her best sleep between, you know, 4 a.m. and 7 a.m., but unfortunately, most of us have to wake up around 6 a.m. So she's, you know, so definitely there's some issues going on with her cortisol, that diurnal curve, but ultimately, I would say we probably want to balance that cortisol for her. And I, and like Dr. Mackey said, progesterone's awesome. I mean, I love progesterone. I take progesterone. Dr. Mackey likes progesterone because it makes me a nicer person. So I love progesterone. <laughs> yeah. So progesterone is great for a woman in her 40s. But at the same time, you don't always want to just jump right into the reproductive hormones first and just leave it at that. I'd say for Jamie, we want to work on her cortisol. You know, definitely, like I said, test the blood work, but we want to bring down her cortisol at night, bring up her cortisol in the morning. And one thing that we always jump into is the insulin. Like Dr. Mackey is hot on the insulin and cortisol balancing because if her cortisol's off, then her insulin is off. Yeah, right. And one of the foundational ways to restore adrenal function. So think of it as, you know, like a teeter-totter. Insulin and cortisol are kind of in tandem, maybe not a teeter-totter, but like you just said, when one's in balance, the other one's automatically imbalanced. And one of the foundational um, aspects of restoring adrenal function is you really call it blood sugar balance, but really it's improving insulin status. Uh, so when someone is starting to approach that insulin resistance kind of phase, and there's lots of things that show up on lab tests and and manifest on everyday function that kind of you know show that that's that that's happening. If you don't if you don't improve that blood sugar insulin you know relationship or that status, then the adrenals kind of just keep burning themselves out over time. Um, so. That means sugar, processed foods, you know, all those things. And when you're awake at night, because you're the night owl slash vampire, what are you doing? You're munching on everything you can find in the house. You're munching on chips. You're munching on crunchy, salty things. You're munching on, you know, carb, carbs, carbs, chocolate. Uh, your brain just wants, you're, you're awake, your cortisol is elevated, and you want food. And it's not going to be broccoli and carrots. It's going to be all the things that we know we shouldn't eat. And it just creates this cycle over and over and over. And it's really hard to pull ourselves away. We feel bad about ourselves because we are so attracted to those foods. Our brain's telling us to eat them. Um, but it's not really us. It's our hormones that are kind of driving some of that behavior. So blood sugar regulation is really a critical piece to that um, as a foundational step. And then we work on it from there. So I'd say like... Dr. Mackey's saying number one would be trying to reduce down that basically your glycemic or sugar load. So it doesn't mean go on a diet or eat small frequent meals. For us, which we always love, is our keto carb cycling program, the KCCP. That automatically drops insulin, which helps rebalance your cortisol. So I'd say that'd be the first thing you'd tell Jamie is here. Here's the KCCP, do this. That would immediately help balance that insulin and that cortisol. But then at the same time, you know, we talked about a little bit of testing her DHEA and her pregnenolone and see if that possibly might need to be supplemented. Like she had mentioned, will DHEA help? That's kind of a little bit of a loaded question because it probably could or it probably could give her a bunch of acne and make her lose her hair and feel really testy. So it really would be a good idea to do a blood test on the DHEA because I find the salivary isn't, well, for me, the salivary is great for 
the cortisol, but sometimes for the DHEA sulfate, and especially for the testosterone, it really isn't that accurate. Yeah. And when you do the DHEA sulfate, it kind of tells you what you want to know about the adrenals anyways, like really what the rest of the cortisol are doing. So that one test gives you, and that with a testosterone that's low, let's say, let's just assume that it's single digits, eight, nine, seven, something like that. That's where I would guess hers is probably, I'd be really interesting if she ever followed up later, you know, with a response to our question. I suspect that her DHEA is probably about somewhere between 50 to 75 and her testosterone is below 100. That tells you everything you need to know. You don't need to do a, cell, a salivary test at that point because you know that she's got no building blocks for that cortisol at that point. Yeah, so I think doing the blood work would be a great idea, doing the KCCP, and then just for Jamie in particular, because those of you listening, because this is a really common theme, that's why we I really appreciate her sending in this question because she's not the only one with this issue. There is gazillion people out there that have this same issue as a vampire. So it really would be trying to bring down that cortisol at night, which there is some beautiful supplementation that you can take that's, you know, safe and not addictive to bring that cortisol down at night to help her fall asleep and stay asleep and get more efficient sleep. So then automatically her cortisol wants to come up in the morning and there's beautiful supplementation to help bring up that cortisol in the morning at the same time. So I think readjusting that, of course, there's lifestyle factors on you know, stress and whatnot. But I'd say number one would be working on that cortisol diurnal curve and then working on the insulin. Yeah, right. That as a uh, con, uh, kind of a foundational step. And then one other thing from a fatigue perspective during the day, being so tired all the time, one thing that can actually be very beneficial of, you know, getting getting the vampires functional, especially earlier rather than later, is um, looking at thyroid function. Especially when there's an adrenal issue, you know that there's going to be some component possibly of a thyroid issue. And when fatigue is a common theme throughout that, um, looking at, and you know, honestly, her TSH might be perfectly normal. It probably, I would best bet her TSH is probably about 2.5, right? Kind of like right smack in the middle, but yet high enough because when you're hypothyroid, the TSH goes up. When your thyroid function is good, the TSH goes down. And she's sitting kind of right there in kind of what I would call like no man's land, you know, kind of in that range where a doctor conventionally minded is just not really going to do much with it because it's not outside the normal range where you and I would look at that and say, oh yeah, she's got all these symptoms that correspond with being hypothyroid. Even though her labs are normal, let's try a little bit of thyroid hormone and see what happens. And nine times out of 10, probably 9.9 times out of 10, they always feel better that way. Uh, And then they start to, you know, they can kind of resurrect themselves a little bit. Now they're not literally, you can start changing that uh, diurnal curve even faster. Yeah. So like we said, um, you know, Jamie was a reader, so she read the article. So in the show notes, we'll put a link to the article so you can look at it. It has a little bit more information to find out, well, you might resonate more as being a ghost because I'm a ghost. I notoriously my whole life have woken up in the middle of the night, you know, and then you think about everything and anything that there ever was to think about. Then by the time you fall asleep, then it's time to wake up. So there's lots of ways to work on it if your cortisol is coming up in the middle of the night or as in the case of the zombie, which zombies, you just your heart just goes out to them because they are tired 24-7. There's not a time of the day that at least they feel like a normal human being. So if you're interested in reading that, that might give you a little bit more insight because it is, you know, you know, it is a stressful world out there, a wonderful, great but stressful world, and it can throw off our cortisol levels. 
Yeah, right. So a little bit back more towards changing this reverse diurnal curve. So the goal is to lower the cortisol at night, which can be challenging, but there's some very good things to do with ashwagandha, uh, magnolia. You can use L-theanine. You can use phosphatidylserine or some things that will bring that cortisol down. That's sometimes easier said than done. Like you mentioned also, exercise. Um, granted, the vampires are probably not doing exercise necessarily. They're probably too tired to exercise, but exercise in those situations are not good, especially exercise after two in the afternoon. You know, Sugar, exercise, that's kind of the lifestyle stuff. Some of those nutrients and herbs that I mentioned is a great way to bring it down. And then you, you can use a combination of nutrients, herbs, and glandulars, and in some extreme cases, even medication, hydrocortisone, you can actually prescribe hydrocortisone, which is basically a bioidentical cortisol for someone that is in the zombies. They're usually your kind of classic hydrocortisone case. They actually do okay with hydrocortisone. Some of the vampires can do okay with hydrocortisone. You know, I don't prescribe a lot of hydrocortisone because most people don't need that much assistance. They don't need that much support. Um, they are fine starting with glandulars and then a combination of glandulars and herbs. And then of course, maybe some nutrients, uh, well, if you had to pick like your top uh, two or three nutrients for the adrenals, what would they be? Well, actually, I love L-theanine for bringing down the cortisol at night. That is really nice. Or even during the day when people are anxious, when they're having that anxiety, L-theanine awesome in the moment. The phosphatidylserine is great at night because it's going to bring down your cortisol. But then at the same time, if you have to wake up at two in the morning because somebody called you and asked you to come pick them up, you could drive a car, you could have a coherent conversation. You know, you don't want to do sleeping pills. So I do think those are probably some really big ones. Sometimes I'll use licorice uh, because a lot of times, a lot of vampires and especially zombies have very low blood pressure. So that's another indication that something's going on with your adrenal glands. But if you have high blood pressure, you don't want to take licorice. So there's, and, and I have a, you know, a few combination products that I really, really love. Um, working on the hormones, like Dr. Mackey said, with the thyroid. And then of course the DHA and the pregnenolone, testing it first and then supplementing if needed. Yeah, right. And uh, nutrient-wise, like you know, like I said, if you're coming strictly from a vitamin-mineral perspective, vitamin C, of course, right? Um, there's some research done on rats that when they're under times of stress, their vitamin C production goes up like 600%. Uh, we're one of the only mammals in the world that does not create their own vitamin C. We're missing the enzyme that converts um, glucose into vitamin C. Every other mammal on the planet can do that. But we don't, we're under times of stress, our, core, our vitamin C intake doesn't go up. Uh, so vitamin C, of course, is one of those things. And um, ironically, maybe not ironically, but people think of stress and B vitamins, but specifically vitamin B5, panathenic acid, can be very, very good at kind of tonifying. Um, it's part of uh, the process that actually helps the body make cortisol. Uh, so B5 can be you know, good. Uh, you mentioned licorice root. You and I are big fans of licorice root. If you're going to use licorice root, either you know a liquid or a, even the solid root extract, which is what we use a lot, usually very small amounts go a long way and you should only use it for about 90 days at a time. Um, you want to kind of cycle that a little bit. There is a, you know, as Dr. Davidson mentioned, a contraindication with blood pressure. That doesn't happen very much. Maybe in an elderly person, they already are on blood pressure medication. You probably don't want to give them licorice root or you don't want to take licorice root. Um, but for most people in short little um, spurts, like I said, a month to 90 days is perfectly fine. 
Uh, so uh, I think that uh, you know kind of summarizes some things. Again, kind of you know looking at it from a very you know uh, holistic perspective, is DHA going to help? Like I said, it could, it might not. Taking a little bit more of a broader perspective and kind of piecing it together, uh, but hopefully that'll point Jamie in the right direction and everybody else that falls into that. Uh, when I was in college, I used to be myself. I would identify myself as, as as a vampire. Like I was a night owl. I worked a graveyard shift at the hospital. Now. Um, like you mentioned, there's two different ghosts. You're ghost A and I'm ghost B. Or no, I'm ghost A and you're ghost B. You know, so you know, things do change and evolve over time as we, uh, you know, as our circumstance and our, you know, and our lifestyles change. So, uh, Dr. Davidson, you have anything else to add on Jamie's situation? No, no, this was great. If you're, like I said, we're going to put in the show notes the link to that article if you're interested in reading it. Um, also on the website, the keto carb cycling protocol that helps reduce down the uh, or rebalances the insulin and the cortisol levels. We've got that on the website. If you're interested in downloading that, that's a quick little thing. You don't have to buy anything. You just change your dietary and lifestyle habits. Yeah. And uh, we do encourage, uh, we plan on answering more questions like this. Uh, it is a little bit too challenging for us to respond, as I said in the last one, to respond to every question individually. Um, but this way, it benefits us. It gives us some very specific things to talk about. It benefits all of you. And then it benefits the person that actually submitted the question in the first place. So we appreciate that. Uh, you can send us emails at help at um, or you can go on the website. We have a contact form. Or you can just respond to one of the, you know, comment on the blog uh, or podcast itself. Uh, we do ask if we do answer your question specifically, uh, we do ask for an iTunes review. I think that's fair. Um, you know, that way we all benefit and more people will end up finding us on iTunes and, you know, we can just kind of keep the conversation going that way. So uh, until next time, I'm Dr. Mackey. And I'm Dr. Davidson. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Progress Your Health podcast. If you like what you've heard on this podcast, please give us a positive review on iTunes. This allows us to spread our message, grow our audience, and help more people around the world. For more information, visit our website at progressyourhealth.com.